Welcome to the Summoner Wrap-Up Podcast about all things Florida State. I'm Juan Montalvo, and tonight we're going to be talking about a few interesting things that are happening this week for Florida State. We're going to do a little recap of the Duke game. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the the commitment and transfer of Mackenzie Milton, the grad the grad transfer quarterback from UCF. He's a huge addition to Florida State in in the locker room, in the on the field, in the quarterback room. Um, he's a guy that coaches really really want to have a program. Even if he were not able to play due to eligibility transfer concerns, which is not the case, he'll be able to play immediately. He's a huge asset to have. And of course, we've got the early signing day coming up this week. And that and more on tonight's summer wrap. Heavy play that music. So first, let's get a quick recap of what happened this weekend for Florida State. It was about as good a weekend as you could ask for um, in terms of the sports side of it. Before we get too deep into it, I definitely want to acknowledge a little bit of the most recent news about Florida. Florida basketball player Keontae Johnson. Um, he apparently has been transferred from the hospital in Tallahassee, Tallahassee Memorial Hospital, to a hospital in Gainesville. Uh, it appears he's doing better. Uh, there were there were reports today that he was in a, in a medically induced coma. Unfortunately, it sounds as though he's out of that, and that was for for transport purposes, but you know, all, all, all of our best wishes go to him and his family and glad to hear he's doing better. And hopefully he makes a s- smooth recovery. That was a scary moment uh, for, for, for Florida fans, obviously for his family, of course, and for everyone around the nation watching college basketball, you never want to see that happen to a kid. Um, that's just, just a very sad, sad, sad thing to see. And hopefully he recovers and is able to move on with his career. Moving on, Florida State sports. Uh, Florida State posted a great weekend, obviously beating beating Duke in, in football, 56-35, beating Florida in basketball, which, of course, was was uh, was somewhat overshadowed by the unfortunate Keontae Johnson events of the day. Um, but in addition to that, Florida lost in football, and Miami lost in both football and basketball. So if you caught my, my instant reaction podcast the other night, I was pretty pumped up about it. I mean, it was as good a weekend as Florida State's had in terms of just on-field results or on-court results, too, in as long as anyone can recall. Um, It was actually the first weekend in history. One of our our stats guys uh, went back and looked at, at, you know, all the previous years. There's never been a weekend in history uh, of, uh, you know, Florida State, Miami, and Florida sports where Florida State won both basketball and football and Florida and Miami lost in both of those sports the same weekend. And it all happened on the same day. I mean, you know, just, just let's give it a, the weekend a good golf clap for that. And then on top of that, we get the commitment on Sunday of Mackenzie Milton. And wow, that is a game changer for the program. I mean, you know, you have early signing days coming up this week and or early signing period begins this week, rather. And having a guy like Mackenzie Milton coming in, you know, to be completely honest, he's not a guy that's going to be extremely well known by some of your bigger, bigger transfer names or some of your bigger high school recruits. He was an extremely successful player for UCF, but again, it was UCF and it was in the AAC, the American athletic conference, which isn't really as well known, Um, you know, with all due respect to him, it's not like you had the big name transfer of someone for like, Jalen Hurts, who was playing on the national stage in, in college football playoff games. Um, and, you know, Oklahoma got a big boost from that, obviously, when Jalen Hurts transferred from Alabama. 
Florida State will certainly see a boost, and it's only a positive for for Florida State to get Mackenzie Milton. Um, but I think it's it's important to caution that his name is not as big a household name, especially outside of Florida. Uh, you know, for a lot of our fan base, uh, a lot and a lot of our listeners, Florida State has a fan base that is you know largely based in Florida or at least has ties to Florida, and they're going to hear when UCF is doing well. Mackenzie Milton was, of course, the uh, the quarterback when when UCF won a national championship, quote-unquote. Um, so while he may bring that national championship pedigree, uh, it was a national championship that was not recognized by, you know, anybody. Um, so there's definitely going to be a little bit less of a bump, you know, than there would have been, say, if it was... Jalen Hurts, you know, going back to previous years that had transferred in. And that certainly isn't to say that it isn't this huge addition, quite the opposite. I mean, I think he brings a lot more to the table than Jalen Hurts did, for example. Uh, but it just it's just notable with the, with the context of early signing period coming this week that Mackenzie Milton is a name that while fans in Florida will know it, uh, it's probably not going to be as one that's as well known by recruits or as much of the transfer market kids that are out there but that being said let's dive right into into talking about Mackenzie Milton I mean he is a, he had a tremendous career at UCF he he averaged you know 10 yards of play his junior year or his second year as a starter nine yards of play his third year as a starter he threw for you know combined I think 70 touchdowns uh 50, 62 yeah 72 touchdowns and in in three years and that's two years as a full-time starter and then his first year is sort of a you know part-time starter he didn't get 100 percent of the snaps and on top of that he can run too i mean so you're talking about a true dual threat quarterback you know he's not a guy who is anywhere near as explosive on the ground as jordan travis but of course, there are very few people playing the quarterback position in Division One football who are. So you bring someone who you know. You look at the raw stats. I mean, the kid's throwing ten yards an attempt. He's throwing touchdowns all the time. I mean, you're getting a guy who is clearly you know above and beyond anything Florida State's had since since James Winston. Um, you know, we uh, we had some of our advanced statistics guys go back, and so. There's a, there's a, you know, this is going to make for a little bit of bad radio, but there's a, uh, a statistic called expected, uh, expected uh, points added. Uh, so basically, you know, the the value of each pass this, that someone throws added to the table of the last seven, six, five years rather of quarterback play, you know, and that includes Hornybrook, Blackman, Francois, Travis. The, the expected points added per pass of Mackenzie Milton is a point three. Now, to give some context to that, negatives are where you where you go to next. And what you'd be getting out of like an av- a, a good college quarterback, someone like, let's say, EJ Manuel, who is not an elite college quarterback like a Jameis Winston or, or the best of Christian Ponder, uh, would probably be like a point one point one five. So, I mean, you're going to get probably at worst – EJ Manuel 2012 type play. So, I mean, you're talking about a pretty darn good college quarterback that you're probably going to get here. Um, and everything we've heard from the folks we talked to is that he was definitely healthy, um, you know, in, in his, in his time back at UCF and that he had definitely uh, looked good again in practice. He was still pretty, you know, not a hundred percent back from that knee injury early in, uh, in the season this year but seems to have progressed and 
the one thing that, you know, uh, the one concern that I've seen some four state fans express is that he didn't take the job back. Well, guys, you got to look, look and see what's happening right now at UCF. Uh, they, they have uh, Dylan Gabriel, who's thrown for 3,500 yards, I think. I mean, he threw for 600 yards in a game this year at one point. Uh, he's a guy who wasn't going to be losing his job unless he was completely and severely overplayed. And Mackenzie Milton may not yet be at 100%. But I think from for, from a Florida State perspective, when you've got guys who are basically you know below average from a passing perspective, Having a Mackenzie Milton who is a very good college passer, you know, by all by all accounts, it's huge. And then you, you have to think about some of those aspects of his game and why that he, he's such a huge addition. One of the first things that people talked about when he was, you know, in 2018 before he got hurt, you know, when they were doing the draft profiles, and you know, everybody everybody on Twitter uh, thinks that they're an NFL draft expert. In fact, I consider myself an NFL draft expert, even though I don't really do anything with the NFL draft. But I said I'm an expert, so I count, just like all the people on Twitter. Those folks, one of the biggest things they talked about was how quick his release is. Mackenzie Milton can, you know, the ball flies out of his hand. It's one of those things from the moment he decides to pass the ball to the second that the ball's out is lightning quick. I mean, it's as good as anybody in terms of quickly getting the ball out in college football. And so, you know, obviously that's something that's extremely important in modern offensive schemes but even more so when you have you know some of the offensive line issues that Florida State does um you know there was a lot of of a lot of discussion that Milton may not want to come to Florida State because Florida State doesn't have great offensive line this is a style of player that can mitigate those issues with the offensive line he's going to be able to get the ball out quick if he's able to quickly and accurately throw a screen or throw a quick slant or a hot read that mitigates a lot of the issues that, that that you have on the offensive line. I mean, we saw that with a lot of uh, a lot of teams playing against Florida State this year. When quarterbacks were able to get the ball out quick, they had no issue with the little bits of pressure that Florida State was able to bring. So, one thing that I also want to bring, McKenzie is not. You know, if, you, if you're going to use initials or any sort of nickname for McKenzie Milton uh, for Florida State, he goes by KZ, not. MM, not Kenzie, not, you know, Milty, Milty Boy, uh, Miltonia. But uh, for whatever reason, KZ is the nickname and he's, uh, he goes by KZ. So be mindful of that. That uh, if you see, start seeing KZ on, uh, on Twitter, it's not King Xylophone or anything like that. Oh, that no, Xylophone is spelled with a X, Z, doesn't matter. Anyway, um, King Xylophone, Mackenzie Milton. He is a Florida State Seminole. He seems quite glad. And I think that part of the reason he came is because Mike Norvell was such a successful coach in the in the AAC. And, you know, it doesn't hurt at all that, you know, Florida State is, is you know, uh, a school in Florida that, was you know, obviously he's a Hawaii kid and he's actually the first kid from Hawaii to play for, for FSU. But it certainly doesn't hurt that he's sort of staying in state in terms of, you know, he's somewhat familiar with the, the area. Um, he probably hasn't had a chance to visit, unfortunately. Um, that's something that really has held Florida, Florida State back a lot in recruiting this year. But they were able to convince him on 
not necessarily getting the starting job. Some of the quotes he's given to reporters, uh, including ESPN's Andrea Delson, was that he was not promised a starting job. He was promised the opportunity to compete for a starting job and that he was excited for that and he didn't want to go somewhere that you that he was going to be promised a starting job. And I think that that's actually, you know, one of those things that 10 years ago, it was probably a little bit more common for, for coaches to say, you come here, we're going to give you a starting job. Um, I think this is sort of the modern, the modern expression is we'll give you the opportunity to compete. Um, I don't think there's a lot of situations where people are flat out told that they're going to get the starting job and they actually keep it. Um, I think that's just one of those things that's changed in recruiting over the years because it gives the coach a chance to be a little bit more vague and, you know, protect himself later on if that transfer is not good enough to start or recruit for that matter. So Mackenzie Milton's on board. Um, you've, you've got a lot of positive that came out of that. Um, and, you know, he's, he's the guy that, you, you know, he's probably not going to have Florida State's best receiving core of the last five years. Uh, obviously, you know, you're losing to Maureen Terry, um, you know, you, you, you used a lot of backs in the passing game. And one of those guys was uh, LaDamian Webb. Uh, one of the other, other things that came out today and reporting on Monday evening was uh, LaDamian Webb is transferring to uh, Troy. So he went from Mississippi State to Florida State to Troy. Okay, uh, fair enough. But uh, we will not be seeing LaDamian Webb return to Florida State as we had originally expected. Florida State, obviously, one of the biggest parts of the weekend was the win over Duke. 56-35 is fantastic. I mean, no one had expe- had seen Florida State put up 56 points this year or <laughs> in a, a, a couple of years against any sort of ACC competition. It certainly didn't happen under Willie Taggart. Um, the last time Florida State scored that many points against an ACC opponent, you have to go all the way back to 2014, I believe it was. Um, the 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 last game that that happened was was against NC State in 2014 at Carter Finley. So six years ago, Florida State was the last was was the last time that that many points were scored on an opponent in in conference play. So that says quite a bit. The last time you did that was with Jameis Winston leading the team, and Jordan Travis. You know, with all due respect to him, is not Jameis Winston but he led one of the better offensive performances for Florida state in quite a while. It was the best offensive performance of the year in terms of yards for play. They got 8.1, 8.16 yards of play their best output of the year in this 10 game season. Um, and you know, the best that they've had against ACC competition outside of, you know, I think last year against Boston college and Steve Adasio's, I'm not sure if he was fired at that point or if he was on the verge of being fired, but suffice it to say, they were on their way out. Um, so it was good, really good to see them do that against an, an ACC team, um, especially one coached by David Cutcliffe, who generally has a better handle on his program. This is one of the not as good Cutcliffe years, I would say. Um, you know, they're still, they're still, they can still be a little feisty on offense. Um, you knew that they were going to be pretty, what's the word? Pretty, pretty, pretty successful at least with some explosive plays on, 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 um, on offense. And they were, um, but they only managed to get 5.1 yards of play against Florida state. 
and that's the best uh the best defensive output Florida State's had this year. So it was really a total team win. I mean, and something that you hadn't seen from Florida State this year. And that's one of the most up most uplifting parts of it. You're game 10. And what we've been talking about throughout the year is don't necessarily look even at the wins or losses, the points, even sometimes yards per play, some of the stats. Look at how the team progresses on the field. And uh, I mean, this time the stats do tell the story. I mean, they had their best performances on both sides of the ball, uh, numerically at least. And, you know, they, they still obviously have their warts, you know, they're missing certain players in the, on, in, in the defensive backfield that'll, that would make a difference. You know, the run, the, the, um, linebacking core is still not great in pass coverage. Uh, Brendan Gant still really fun to watch, but really good at overrunning plays. Um, which I think you'll see coached out of him eventually, but um, you know they're still they're still not not the best team in the back end, and you know they lost obviously some of their best uh, players up front too. I mean you know Marvin Marvin Wilson's gone. Uh, we just saw that Corey Durden's going to be transferring to North Carolina State, and I'm sure that will not come back to bite Flor- uh, Florida State in the butt anytime soon until next year, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this was a total team performance. And the best part about it is, like I said, you're seeing growth throughout the year on both sides of the ball. I mean, the offensive line, sure, you had some issues. Darius Washington at left tackle is not not necessarily the guy that you want to start game one with next year. They're going to want to look in the portal for someone who's capable of doing that. Or hopefully Deontay Love Taylor comes back fully healthy and is able to fill that gap for you uh, as guys like Rod or uh, you know, or, or some of the, hopefully some of the signees this year coming, coming in, will be able to do that uh, for Florida state uh, Oregon in the portal. Um, so, you know, you had a couple of, of weak spots here and there, um, but you saw a lot of good stuff out of some young kids. I mean, you got uh, Kai Douglas did a really nice job. Um, you have uh, uh, what's he's another one that did a nice job. So, a lot of positives because you really had a young roster. Um, one of our guys, Brett Nevin, in the press box for the game, he counted. There were 51 scholarship players available. Just 51. And to put that in perspective, you know, 85 is the limit. And, you know, regularly most teams carry the low 80s. Um, and Florida State's obviously seen a pretty significant amount of opt-outs and transfers, especially around the Thanksgiving break when it seems like kids started to get get homesick which is completely understandable um and you know they they managed to get a roster with 51 players and that i think tells you everything about why you didn't play the last three football games when you have 51 when you're closest to healthy and 45 is the acc trigger all it takes is one guy getting sick and contact tracing for you to be knocked out of the football game entirely so it remains to be seen if florida state's going to play wake next weekend but this is a great building block. This is just a good. This is good momentum for the program going forward. Um, and you know, I know that sometimes things like momentum are pretty nebulous concepts, and it may seem as such. But I think it's important to note. I mean, you had you had a a, a hugely successful weekend going into early signing day. Uh, there's a little bit of murmurs here and there about you know being able to pull off some kids. Um, Unfortunately, Destin Hill, uh, formerly known as Payson, 
is no longer going to be signing early. He's still listed as an early enrollee. That seems to be in, in jeopardy as well. Um, the timing of that is quite poor. Um, you really wanted to see that kid come in and sign early for you. And of course, enroll early um, with the need for a good sized body like him at the receiver position. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but Florida State obviously has the opportunity to, to really make up a lot of ground in uh in in this off season, and I think they're they, they look like they're going to. I mean, it, it, they it appears there's probably going to be six or seven scholarship spots in the 2021 signing class, including transfers available or available for transfers. Right now, they're at 15 commitments, and currently have um, have Mackenzie Milton as a transfer. That's 16. That leaves about 10 spots available. Um, our experts that that would include Josh Pick, David Stout, and Adam Brown, uh, and Tim uh, Allenbaugh as well. Um, they're all projecting probably two to three more high school kids coming into the class, and then we're going to see uh, we're going to see the rest of that likely filled out with transfers. So you're looking at six or seven of of, of transfers coming in, which is about what we saw last year, um, and. You know, they had a pretty decent hit rate on those guys. Um, you know, you can c- go across and, and, and look at your starters for this year and you'll see a few, you know, a good chunk of those were were guys that that, uh, that transferred this year. Fabian Lovett, who unfortunately got injured in this this particular game. Jerrion Jones, who unfortunately is not a great fit for the boundary cornerback position, however, is a good player. Um yeah, he 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 showed a little bit of of uh, a flash this weekend. Um, the other guys that from from the transfer class that were either important players or in line to start uh, were Jayshon Corbin, who's probably going to be again your starting running back next year. Um, of course, the starting number one in the stable. Um, he he gets a little bit of stick from the fans, but I think fo- folks need to realize about him and why they use him at Wildcat in particular is he's a really good zone runner. He reads the zone game well. He's not as explosive as LaDamian Webb or Lawrence Toafili or even Ja'Kai Douglas, but what he really does nicely for you is he reads those zone blocks well. And I think that's why you see a lot of him, especially in the Wildcat. They trust him to be able to read those plays better than some of the other guys. And that may come may come from his experience over time. Um, obviously, him being a former Florida State commit uh, for, under Jimbo and then played for Jimbo for, for, for a very brief period before coming back to Florida State. Um, Jordan Wilson was the guy you expected to be a starter and really would have been a big factor, I think, in this year's offense as a transfer. Unfortunately, he was hurt. Um, hopefully, we see him next year. Uh, tight end is an area where depth is, is pretty pretty poor. Um, it, Cam McDonald is a really nice player and a very, very explosive receiving tight end, but you really do need in this offense more of a good blocking tight end, which is what Jordan Wilson brings to the table. Miko Dotson's another guy who transferred and who got a lot of reps. So, I mean, you're talking, and Deontay Love Taylor, of course, was your starting left tackle for much of the year. So, if your nine transfers that were brought in last year had a good 50% hit rate, uh, and including three or four starters. So, you're if you can do about the same and get two or three starters for next year, you're doing pretty well. And I think that's probably what you can expect from, from Mike Norvell and, and, and this staff to, to try to bring in at least 
six or seven guys on the transfer market and about two or three of those who can be not just immediate contributors, but, you know, full-time starters are taking 80% of the, of the snaps at their positions. And then, you know, that's, that's going to happen all after early signing period really starts. So it's going to be interesting a couple of days to see what we, we see come into Florida state during the early signing period. Our recruiting staff is gearing up like crazy. Make sure to be watching the Tomahawk nation website, uh, we'll we'll be doing full coverage of early signing period throughout this week uh, with with full previews. Uh, we've already uh, David Stout uh, today dropped an article about how the coaching carousel may affect Florida State. Uh, Gus Malzahn was fired on Sunday, uh, which is an opportunity for Florida State. You know, Auburn is a team which with which Florida State really competes a lot on the recruiting trail, uh, and that's that just opens up the door for a few, few more guys. So make sure to check that out on TomahawkNation.com. Um, there's even more coverage like that coming. Don't forget it's free. You don't have to pay for it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we're going to reduce monthly fees. Um, I can offer you 80% off of zero, but I think if you're good enough at math, you'll realize it's the same deal as before. So obviously I talked a little bit about the floor state game, but if you really want to get a good in-depth breakdown, of Florida State's 56-35 victory over Duke. Check out the triple option. That's our video series where Kevin Little, Trey Rowland, formerly of Rollcast fame, and Coach A.B., Adam Brown, break down the, the game. They they have a new format. It's really fun to watch it because you're sort of watching it with them. They're playing the full game in its, in, its, in its entirety in a condensed format. So, you know, it's a lot shorter than watching a three-hour football game. But so you get all three of them sort of in like a coach's film room sort of segment and it's really nice uh they do a really good job and trey is involved so you know it's going to be funny so check that out it's also on the website tomahawknation.com and i think that's really if you want a good in-depth discussion of duke game from with from some some former high school coaches jump on there and check those guys out it's about an hour long but it's worth every minute of your time so let's get to some other news in the fsu sphere um the Florida state basketball is now three and zero, obviously after the win over Florida and they've jumped up from 22nd of the AP poll to 15th. And it, it, it was heartbreaking to have COVID break up the, the 2020 or the 2020 season with a team that, you know, would have been potentially a final four competitor. Um, and Hamilton lost a couple of good players from that team, you know, Devin Vassell, Patrick Williams, and both those guys are now immediately being recognized as part of why Florida State was so good uh, based on their early returns in the NBA. But Florida State still got a really good basketball team. They're ranked 15th, a nice win over Indiana, uh, a little bit of sketchy in that overtime game, then beating Florida. Um, and so, you know, there's a long way to go in the season, but Florida State basketball looks to be a pretty good team again. And Scotty Barnes is fun to watch. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have caught any of our basketball games yet, but I caught the Indiana game and part of the Florida game. And Scotty Barnes is a true freshman, five-star. You know, it's one of the new level of recruits that Hamilton is signing. And he's just a really fun player to watch. He's probably only going to be a one-and-done at Florida State. Enjoy him while you can. I mean, He's he's the guy who's gonna be who's gonna be probably you know the guy to keep your eye on all this season. And speaking of basketball, because the ACC is a basketball conference, I'm gonna 
preface it with that. Uh, the ACC announced we have a new commissioner for the conference. Uh, noted and highly loved in, well, just in North Carolina, I suppose. Uh, commissioner John Swoford. Yeah, he's gone. He's out next year, June 2021. He is finito. Uh, all the issues are being left for the new ACC commissioner, James J. Phillips, PhD. He was the vice president for athletics and recreation at Northwestern. Uh, I suppose that's the Northwestern equivalent of an athletic director. It is, but they just, you know, being Northwestern, they had to, you know, I guess make it different. The vice president of athletics and recreation. No, you're an athletic director. Just call yourself that. It's ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, so he, he comes with, you know, pretty strong pedigree. Um, Northwestern's football program has been pretty successful over the last 15 years or so that he's been there. Um, they've done a lot in terms of increasing their facilities. What that means for Florida state. It's hard to know. Um, the, the way that uh, the, 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 the conference has operated is completely different to how uh, uh, an athletics program is operated, operating a single institution and managing its internal affairs is completely different than than basically balancing the needs of, of 14 or 15 different member institutions uh, when it comes to how to use resources, how to allocate and resources, how to get resources. Um, there were very differing opinions among ACC teams about how uh, revenue should be distributed, how long the grant of rights should have been, uh, how long uh, the or how how well. Um, the the ACC network deal was negotiated. Personally, I think that one was just uh, an issue of poor timing. The TV bubble began to burst a little bit, it, uh, whereas the Pac-12 network, the Big Ten network, and SEC networks all were negotiated a little bit before that bubble started to pop. So I don't think Swarford did as bad a job on that as as is discussed in some circles. But being that, that late to the game put them in a position where getting just an okay deal is looked at as okay. So I don't think that's okay. But anyway, the, the leadership of John Swilford, who is widely criticized by Florida state fans, um, that, that 10 years now over, uh, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be kicking any more games to, to Raycom because, because John Swilford's son works there. So we'll see. Um, it remains to be seen exactly what Phillips's tenure as an ACC, uh, uh, commissioner will look like. Uh, obviously, the ACC board had nothing but positive things to say. Which, when you hire a new athletic director, that's you know you typically don't say negative things about them. I'm sorry, a new uh, conference commissioner, you don't say negative things about them. So well, that's a wait and see sort of thing. Uh, they're going to want us to, you know, the, if it were up to me, I'd see if there was some sort of way to renegotiate or you know update the terms of any of the ACC's television rights deals and in the modern era uh i think that's a a tough ask and an uphill battle but look you know fsu and and all the other member schools are considerably behind their regional rivals in the sec in terms of dollars received from the conference so you've got to at least try to figure out a way to improve that hopefully having star quarterback mackenzie milton on television for florida state going 13 and 0 in the 2021 season will make a difference um yes i am on drugs on that note 
there's really not too much else to talk to right now. Um, we've got the, the early signing day coming this week. Make sure to check out Tomahawk Nation all week. We're going to have great coverage on that. And gentlemen and ladies, that's a wrap. Oh, my God.